All right. You have Acts chapter nine. You're dreaming of Lake Tobias, I'm sure. Thinking about that. We're going to start today at Acts chapter nine, thinking about a message called looking at the life of a new Christian. And I'm thinking today as I preach about these graduates and I'm talking to you guys uh, that are graduating, talking to all of us today. But I want to start out with a story uh, about a revival campaign that was held in Chattanooga, Tennessee in 1932. Uh, it was held by an evangelist named M.F. Ham. And Dr. Lee Robertson told the following story. He said when Mr. Ham began his campaign, uh, Mr. Wyatt Larimore was king of the Chattanooga underworld. This is back in 1932. And Mr. Larimore was a racketeer and a liquor peddler. And according to his own testimony, Mr. Larimore said he'd stood before the courts for every conceivable thing, uh, every conceivable crime, ranging from minor traffic violations to first degree murder. In 1932, he was paying income tax on more than $200,000 worth of property. Now, remember, 1932, we're talking about much of that property was illicit. It included a large amusement park, chains of bootleg distilleries, a gambling houses, and he had 300 men working under him, carrying on these various uh, uh, things. Uh, he was called the gentleman bootlegger of Chattanooga. And the reason they called him that was because he could solicit the accounts of the city's elite. Well, Mr. Larimore, the one known as the gentleman bootlegger of Chattanooga, attended that revival campaign, and heard M.F. Ham preach a message entitled, God's Last Call. Again and again he heard Dr. Ham repeat the text, this text. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. And he heard that text over and over again, and it stuck in the mind of Wyatt Larimore. And it convinced him that he was a lost sinner. Now, we fast forward now several days. After a period of great mental and spiritual despair, the gentleman bootlegger Chattanooga went back to that revival and surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was saved, gloriously saved. Now, after that, imagine this man and all that he's been doing. He calls in the gang working for him. And here's what he said to them. Boys, we're through. We're going to close up all these rackets and bust all this rotten liquor. I invited my wife and little girl to help me break up my private stock of liquor that I kept in my closet. And that's what he said. <laughs> and, and Lee Robertson, in the story where he was sharing this testimony of Wyatt Larimore and his conversion, he followed by saying these words. Many people in this audience could testify to the conversion of Wyatt Larimore and could tell of the days after he was converted and how God used him. He said, the Lord's power is undiminished. His hand is not shortened. He can still save and transform. And I want to remind all of us today, beloved, the same is true today. His arm is not shortened. His hand is not shortened. He can still save. He can still transform. He can still bring someone from the pit of despair and the pit of sin and place them in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where you say, Amen and Amen. If you go back and read Acts chapter 9 from the beginning, 
You read about the conversion, the salvation of a man known Saul. Now, you and I know him better as who? The Apostle Paul, correct? Now, when we think of the Apostle Paul, we forget that before he was the Apostle Paul, that great and mighty Christian, the writer of Scripture and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, on and on, this great missionary, Saul was a sinner in need of a Savior. He needed the forgiveness of his sin. He needed to be born again. And we're going to pick up our study this morning at verse number 19. Now, at this point, Saul has been saved and baptized. Let's go back and read verse 17 and 18, just to kind of pick up the flow here. And Ananias went his way. I'm reading in Acts chapter 9, verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul... The Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 18 says, And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. So we understand now he's been saved, he's been baptized. And now we're going to look at some of the characteristics of a new believer. And Saul's a good example here as we continue reading verse 19. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem? And came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. The characteristics of a new believer. A new believer. And likewise should be of all of us who know Christ, no matter how many years. First of all, I want you to notice Saul's a good example. Paul's a good example because he cared for himself physically. He cared for himself physically. Notice what it says in verse 19 again. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. When he received meat, when he received food, he was strengthened. Now, why is that significant, preacher? Well, go back and look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, and he was there three days Without sight, remember he had been blinded, without sight, and neither did what? Eat nor drink. Three days not eating, three days not drinking, and I'm convinced he was probably fasting and praying. He was calling out to God after this remarkable vision he had seen. And we could very safely say today, he was completely drained. He was wrung out. He needed some food. He needed some drink to stay alive. And it says he took of that food, he took of that drink, and he was strengthened. I believe it was G. Campbell Morgan who said this is common sense Christianity. And I'm convinced, beloved, we need more of this common sense Christianity. He cared for himself physically. He cared for his bodies. And we know as believers that we should care for our bodies. Now, I'll be honest with you at this point. A lot of people would rather hear a sermon on tithing or a sermon on giving rather than a sermon on caring for our body. But, beloved, God is concerned. God cares how we care for our bodies. 
God is concerned with our eating and drinking. Let me give you several verses. You write down the references. You can read them later. I've had them printed out here. First Corinthians 1031. Hear me say that many times. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3.23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Romans 12.1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, except unto God, which is your reasonable service. Philippians 1.20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. First Timothy chapter four, verse eight, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable and unto all things, having promise of the life that now which is and of that which is to come. Now, caring for ourselves physically. This implies several things. It implies what we eat. It implies exercise. It implies proper rest. It implies handling our stress. And I want to be honest before you, beloved. This is something that God has been dealing with me about a lot, especially the last couple of months. I've had to recognize this as a sinful stronghold in my own life. And I stand before you today and I say, I want to ask your forgiveness for being such a poor example in these things. We Baptists love our covered dish dinners. We love our potlucks. We love our fried chicken. But sadly, we're slowly digging our graves with our forks. And though I have a long way to go, I have finally gotten serious about this sinful stronghold. And I've realized this is not something that you tackle in your own power and own strength. You go forth in this as a spiritual battle because that's what it is. It's a spiritual battle. And we go forth not in our own strength, but in his strength and his power. This is something we don't talk about often. This is something we get nervous about and uncomfortable about. But we realize, beloved, Gluttony is sin. We're to eat right. We're to exercise. Some do all right on that, but we're also to have proper rest. What's that? Here's another one we struggle with. And maybe maybe you're feeling the Holy Spirit put his finger on some things in your life today. Handling stress. Some would say, well, just just avoid all stress. That's impossible, isn't it? You still have to drive, don't you? You still have to go to work tomorrow, don't you? Properly handling these things before the Lord. And Saul here, he cared for himself physically. Common sense Christianity. He had not eaten, he had not drank in three days. He'd been blinded. But when the opportunity arose after being baptized, he arose, received meat. And was strengthened. We know there are other times in Paul's life where he was unable to do that because he was imprisoned and different things. But when he was able, we see he cared for himself physically. Now, college students, take heed. Take heed. 
care for yourself physically. I would include in that what you eat and exercising and proper rest and handling of stress, your own purity. Your own purity. Keeping your body pure. And everybody's ready to move to point two, aren't you? Everybody's feeling the weight of conviction. Good. Let's move to point two. Secondly, we notice that Paul, Saul here, fellowship with other believers. Look at verse 19 again. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. Notice that second part. He was certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. You heard the old saying? You, you finish it. Birds of a feather. Hey, that's true, isn't it? One of the signs of the new birth is that we desire to be with the brethren. We were in first John this morning in Sunday school. Here's what first John three fourteen says. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And Christians need fellowship with other Christians. It's important that you attend church. It's important. It's crucial. Why? So we can put more numbers on the board? No. So we can say, oh, we got a big church? No. God gave us the church because we need the church. We need the church for fellowship, for edification, for worship, to get out the gospel, accountability, so many things. You say, well, give me a verse that I need church. All right. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of yourself of ourselves together as the manner of some is. It goes back. People have been laying out of church for a long time, apparently. Says right there in Hebrews, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Listen, you that are going off to college, you need to find a good Bible preaching, Bible believing church and you need to go every Sunday. You need to go to Sunday school and church and get involved in that if you're not here. All of us need that. All of us. We need to be in church. You need to make sure that church is a priority and not just an option. All of us need to make that and make sure that's right in our lives. He fellowship with the disciples. If you're not coming to Sunday school, you should be in Sunday school. If you're not coming Wednesday night, you ought to pray about that. Why don't you pray? God, do you want me to go to church? You pray about that and see what he answers. You don't have to pray about that, do you? He says what? Right in his word. Don't forsake. All right. Two down. You ready? Thirdly, Saul is a new believer. Care for himself physically. Fellowship with other believers. Thirdly, he started preaching. Verse 20. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. He started preaching. Say, wait a minute, preacher. I'm not a preacher. And maybe not in the sense that I'm up here this morning. But God has called you, believer, to be a witness. And notice it says in verse 20, straightway he preached Christ. What does that mean? Immediately he preached Christ. Now notice what he, what's going on here. He did not preach himself. He did not say, look at me, I'm the Apostle Paul. He preached Christ. And as believers, we're to tell others about the Lord Jesus. 
We're to share the faith. We're to share the gospel. Notice what it says in verse 20. He preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. That is, he recognized Jesus was the Messiah. He recognized Jesus was God, the deity of Christ. And notice what happened in verse 21. But all that heard him were amazed and said, is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? They said, is this really Saul? This is Saul, the persecutor, the one who hated those who love Christ. And now he's preaching the very Christ whom he once persecuted. They were amazed. I imagine they felt kind of like the group of men who worked for Wyatt Laramore when he called him in and said, hey, we're done. I met Jesus. We're closing this stuff down. I'm living for the Lord Jesus now. Let me say, college students, don't hide your light on campus. Don't hide your light on campus. Shine brightly for the Lord Jesus Christ. Be a witness for Christ. High school student, elementary student, shine brightly for the Lord Jesus. Workmen on the job, shine brightly for the Lord Jesus. Saul preached Christ. He cared for himself physically. He fellowshiped with other believers. He preached, that is, he witnessed. And fourthly and finally today, he grew in his faith. Look at verse 22. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded or confused the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. He grew in his faith. He grew spiritually. Let me be honest with you today, beloved. You know, it's one of the greatest needs in many believers lives today. Growth. Growth. Growing. Becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, we don't get to the point in our Christian lives, no matter how long we've been saved, where we say, well, I have arrived. I know all there is to know. I am just like Christ. We don't get to that point. We keep on growing and keep on growing and keep on growing. Day in and day out, we're to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you'll say this morning, perhaps, preacher. This is a very simple message. And you know what? You're right. But let's all of us examine ourselves under this very simple message today. The very first place you have to start is this. Are you saved? Do you know for certain? No doubts about it. That if death were to come right now. To you. That you'd be with Jesus. Do you know that? Do you know that? If not, that's where we need to start. Recognizing you're a sinner. Recognizing you cannot save yourself, but also recognizing that Jesus died for you. He shed his blood for you. He arose for you. He lives for you. And he will save you if you call on him. The second thing we saw that Saul did was what? He was baptized. Have you been baptized? That's the first step of obedience for the new believer. You say, well, you don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. No, you're right. 
You don't. But you have to be baptized to be obedient. The first step of obedience. If you're saved today and never been baptized, you need to be baptized. As a proof, as, a, as showing others that you trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior. Showing his death, burial, and resurrection. Showing others that you have new life in Jesus Christ. If those two things are settled, let's move on to the four this morning. Are you ready? You're looking here. You're looking at yourself. Nobody else. You're looking here. Asking God to help you. Number one, do you care for yourself physically? Now, I know some of us do the very basic things. Hopefully you brushed your teeth this morning, combed your hair, put on clean clothes. But let's talk about the things we're talking about here. What we eat, what we drink. What we do for our bodies. Stress, rest, purity. Do you as a believer care for yourself physically? Number one. Number two. Are you fellowshipping with other believers? Praise God you're here today. That's a good, good start. But it goes so much further. You begin to pray for one another, encourage one another. Get involved in one another's lives and help one another become more like the Lord Jesus. Be involved in a Sunday school class. Are you fellowshipping with other believers? Number three, are you witnessing? Is your light shining for Christ? Do you ever speak about Christ to anybody? Maybe you're the shyest person in the world. Do you ever leave a gospel track somewhere? There's plenty of them back there. Do you ever do anything to witness concerning Christ and his salvation? And number four... Are you growing spiritually? Are you more like Christ this morning than you were last Sunday and the Sunday before? Are you becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ? My prayer this morning is very simple. May the Lord deal with our hearts and may all of us, whatever the need may be, may we be submissive to his leading and his guiding. In our lives today. Would you bow with me for prayer please. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Are you saved? If you are. Have you been baptized? If you've been saved and baptized. Do you care for yourself physically? Are you fellowshipping with other believers? Are you witnessing? And are you growing spiritually? What is God the Holy Spirit putting his finger on in your life right now? Maybe one of those things, maybe two, maybe several. The question today is, will you be submissive? We're going to pray. We're going to sing a closing hymn. The altar is open today. If you need salvation, just come and let me know that. If you want to be baptized, let me know that. Maybe other needs just want to come and pray right here and give some things to the Lord. Maybe he's been dealing with you about some things for a long time like he has me. And boy, it's hard to say, yeah, that's an area. But oh, what peace when you bring Jesus into the picture. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you for Saul, better known to us as Paul, and the great things he did because he loved you. But, Lord, we know he loved you only because you first loved him. And, Lord, you used him and you desire to use us. I pray now the Holy Spirit to have his will in the lives and each one here. 
Work in this invitation, I pray, O God, may your will be accomplished. In Jesus' name, amen.